Hey friends, you're listening to Changing the Conversation, a podcast by African Leadership and the Mocha Club, where we take time to sit down and explore topics to challenge our perspective in pursuit of better loving people and the world around us. Listeners, oh my goodness, I am so excited for you to hear today's conversation. Emily and I get to sit down with one of our dearest friends from church, Kara Goss, and she is just a delight. She has lots of gifts, and one of those gifts is knowing story and knowing scripture and how those two align together in a really beautiful way and a really impactful way. So we're excited to speak with her and um, glad you're here to listen in. Happy Friday. Happy Friday to We're you. We're recording on a Friday, but our listeners it's rainy. will be listening on a Tuesday. So also happy Tuesday. Happy Tuesday, folks. Happy Tuesday. Hope that it's not still raining in April. Uh-huh. <laughs> Isn't Yikes. Easter in April? Uh-huh. Okay. It Shoot. is. It feels like it might rain forever. Yeah, we need out. Out of this season. Yeah. But April showers bring May no, flowers. February showers need to bring some <laughs> March flowers and be done with it. It's true. We're already in bloom. Mm-hmm. What do May flowers bring? Pilgrims. What do you oh, mean? Oh, the joke. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I see what you did Fallon. there. It's one of my favorite jokes. Gosh. Pass did it you to le- Fletch. Yeah, that's good. You're welcome. <laughs> And that's my good deed for the day. And You're welcome. I'm out. Totally done. <laughs> totally done. Okay, who's this third mysterious voice on the, the podcast? Third mysterious voice. So we have with us today Kara Gauze. Hi, Kara. Hi. Fallon and I have known Kara for a very long time. It would seem years. Uh, we love her a lot. We do. This is so fun. I know. It's fun. It's fun when friends come in. The reason we wanted Kara to come is because I love the intersection of how your passions and your upbringing and all the things you studied in school, when they mix with scripture, it creates something really unique and really beautiful. You and I took a trip to Africa earlier last fall and got to experience you in a space where I got to see a lot of your acting and your story come to life in scripture and what we were learning about what to do with scripture. Um, And I know you bring that to your work life. I know you bring that to your home life. You bring that to your church community. So it's just one of those interesting places where I don't know that I've ever known somebody who has an acting degree and then loves scripture the way that you do. And the combination seems unique in Mm -hmm. our culture and world. Your husband's also on the board, which is really exciting because that means we get more time with you at African Leadership. And you took your first trip to Africa. So for all those reasons, I wanted to hang out with you. Mm-hmm. I'm glad to be here. <laughs> Thanks, guys. Yeah. yeah. Quite a trip. <laughs> Quite a trip. <laughs> Quite, a, Quite trip. a trip here in the rain. So, Kara, how did you end up in Nashville? Actually, the same woman who had mentored me growing up mm-hmm. in the studio, owned the studio, um, she told me about Belmont University, mm-hmm. a small Christian school here in Nashville, and that it was kind of in the heart of Music City and lots of artistic folks. And I was curious about art and faith Mm. colliding. I hadn't experienced that where I'd grown up. And so I had a real desire to see what that might look like. So I ended up transferring to Belmont for my sophomore year. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Go Bruins. 
Go Bruins. I don't think I ever went to a basketball game, but I hear they're very good. (laughs) They're really fun with kids. But you grew up acting. Oh, yeah. I grew up acting. So I started acting when I was six, and... What was that like? Oh, well, you know, it was all I knew, but I was super involved in the performing arts, so I grew up in a dance studio and in rehearsals, and that's where most of my friendships were, and Mm. lots of auditioning, lots of critiquing by lots of people. Yeah, I loved it. I love the process of rehearsal and creating something. Mm-hmm. I don't care so much about an audience, but I love creating something and putting it out into the world. Were your parents performers and no. actors? Oh, circus perform? No, <laughs> no, definitely not. At so was all. it your kind of vision? You're like, hey, mom and dad. I was a super shy kid, so mm. they put me in a class okay. to kind of. At six, you said? Mm-hmm. So you're in this class because you're shy. Because I'm shy, yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, it turns out I'm a bit of a ham. <laughs> if you she know. is a ham. <laughs> you are. Yeah, I liked becoming somebody else. If you gave me other people's words, I could kind of flesh them out. It's almost like becoming more of myself mm-hmm. with somebody else's words. Wow. Did you resist that at six? Were you like, no, I don't want to talk? Or were you like, okay, let's try it? No. I mean, I started out with probably first with dance, like lots of little girls do, but then it it quickly progressed. And incidentally, the woman who owned the studio where I went to happened to be a believer and led my Mm -hmm. whole family to the Lord. And that is something in in Pennsylvania where I grew up, there isn't a Christian culture there like there is here in the South. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was a real rarity, not a coincidence, that kind of like this one woman mm. would be in my life, right. this particular woman. Hmm. So when I think about somebody that grows up in performing arts, I think about, like you just mentioned, you know, you put a little girl in a dance studio and she does ballet and all the different things and then she goes on to gymnastics. And then at 12, she's bored and she moves on to a sport or middle school and high school. But yours was a very different path. Yours became more and more intense. What was your path and what was that like for you? I would say that it narrowed in focus from sort of all performing arts to theater Mm. and passion for scripts and plays and things like that, really for the literature, I I think. And this feeling of being on stage with someone or in a rehearsal space with another actor and you're just, it feels, it's the closest I'll ever get to like passing a ball back and forth with somebody because I I can't (laughs) catch or throw. But there is something really special about kind of fighting for what's true in that room. Hmm. And creating truth in the moment. Like you're yes. You're both organically feeding off of one another and it's very instinctive. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You're definitely feeding off the other person. Hmm. And you were good at it, so you just kept going. You I did was, it in high school. Yeah. I kept going. It was something that kind of came naturally to me, probably because I was always a really introspective 
kid had a whole inside world inside my head. And so used to always just be really watchful of people and try and understand what it is, why they did what they did. And so as I got older, it narrowed in focus. And um, yeah, it's kind of one of those things too, when you're young, you, if you're good at something, then you have more opportunity. And like I said, this was what I did. So I didn't have any idea if I had any other gifts. This was hmm. sort of my thing. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. You being like really observant and watchful of other people, was that something that was just part of your personality and you were doing it in your life and then that bled into your acting? Or was that something you learned as a performer? Both. I don't necessarily think it's something that you can teach if it's not there. Mm -hmm. I think people can get better at picking up on those sorts of things. But Mm -hmm. yeah, I mean, if that is your natural bent, then acting is really kind of this amazing place to kind of grow that and amplify it. And because you're just watching so closely to see what the other person is doing and why they're doing it. So now, as an adult who's not acting, what will happen is I can walk into a room and sense what's going on, and I won't necessarily know why, Mm. but I can generally pick up on how people are feeling. Yeah. It's a big gift. Mm -hmm. It is a gift, yeah. Mm. It's a pretty weighted gift, I would imagine. Yeah, I think I feel Mm -hmm. pretty... uh, deeply whatever's going on around me. So boundaries have become really important in my own heart, you know, mm-hmm. of, well, I can empathize with this person, but I, I don't have to carry. Mm-hmm. I don't have to own their stuff. I can walk with them, but mm-hmm. I don't have to take it on. Yeah. There's so much more to cover, but before we move on, if you're in the room with a rock star, you say... Tell me about the coolest time you were ever on stage. So in the room with Kara, Mm. a rock star of a different sort, tell us about an experience for you in the acting world that you just thought, oh my goodness, here's where I am. And it's so unique and it's something that is a fun part of my story, but is also like not everybody gets to do it. You know, I don't think it would be necessarily a show or a performance, it would definitely be a rehearsal. Mm. Wow. Yeah. Hmm. Rehearsals are definitely what I love and remember about that time, just Mm -hmm. working and honing and kind of not perfecting, but getting as close to that as you can while remaining natural and pliable. And I would say there's a play called Dancing at Lunasa that I did in college about some Irish sisters and that was really fun. That was mm. super fun. I love accents. and Yeah. Can you tell us a whole story in an no. accent? I won't do that. <laughs> Just one but, line? So generally when you're working on a dialect or an accent, you have like a line that kind of gets you into oh, it. Yeah. So mine would be Shakespeare. Whether it is nobler in the mind to suffer the slings and arrows of outrageous fortune. <gasps> Holy I cow. Am <laughs> <laughs> it's I think been a long time. <laughs> that's amazing. Wow. Oh. Well. That's like one of my yeah. dreams is to be able to do accents. I just think they're so cool that you yeah. can just morph your vocals to 
sound it's, completely different. It's super fun. I mean, I don't know if it's very grown-up skill. Why don't you do it more skill. often? Well, like, do you tell your girls, like, goodnight stories and accents? You know, they don't like accents at all. I do. Really? I do read in accents. Yes, I do. They like it in story time. Okay. But if I just speak to them, like, randomly in a grocery store, like in some... 80-year-old Slavic woman's <laughs> accent. They hate that. They like, really do. come on. I, I embarrass them. And I've promised them that it will only get worse. <laughs> oh, it should. Cannot yes. wait for those seasons. Yes. Yeah. Good. Yeah. Well, that's good. That's amazing. Mm-hmm. Okay, so you're growing up. You have this experience. Mm-hmm. You move on to school. And lots of beauty came out of that transition um yeah you talked about like you find in a little bit more of your faith in the lord mm-hmm. you met your husband yeah you built I, a whole life here i did eventually yeah i meet my husband through mutual friends lots of mutual friends mm-hmm. who both knew him and knew me but we didn't know each other somehow but yeah what happened as you began kind of diving into this world of knowing the lord and finding jesus in scripture Talk to me about what it was like for you to kind of pursue the Lord, but also coming from the space of how story and um, script and literature just had always been a passion point for you. Yeah, I would say one of my senior projects in college was I could direct anything I wanted to. And so I created various monologues from scripture, and then I directed people in those monologues. So I would say that was a really concrete way that scripture and the art of acting or theater came together. Yeah. What did it do for you? Why do it? Well, it made those people come alive, and you realize Mm -hmm. that they are very much human beings, flawed, and Mm -hmm. they have entire backstories and conflicting emotion and motivation and doubts and fears, and they are like me. Because I had spent a lifetime constructing characters and thinking about why they do what they do. And so then all of a sudden, you're looking at another piece of writing. This time it's true. And you're doing the same thing that you've always done. Well, you being me. I was Mm -hmm. doing the same thing that I had been trained to do, Mm -hmm. which was to really step into the shoes of this person and Mm -hmm. feel their flesh and consider where they're coming from and why. Where are you now in life? I mean, what are you doing with your time? How do you you spend your time? I am a writer and an editor. I edit and work for a company called She Reads Truth as a content editor. And their goal is to have women and men and kids and in the Word of God every day. Mm. So mm. my primary work is to edit online devotionals for their site and their app. Um, they also publish study books. And I would say um, I've been at it f- at that particular job for four years. And we've worked on a Bible together. And it's incredible the privilege it is mm. to get to sit with scripture every day and Mm -hmm. with that group of people who are brilliant and gifted and passionate about getting things right and about truly knowing what what scripture says. So what's been interesting about it for me is to come from this focus of 
empathizing with the people in scripture Mm -hmm. um, from this theater and acting background to sort of, to have it be really anchored in, okay, well, let's go back to the original text and what Mm. is the real context here? And it just fleshes Mm. out the experience of reading scripture in a new way. And sometimes just knowing context, even if you're not necessarily reading about a person, but you're learning the context of something, um, how a certain situation came to be, it's really moving. Like mm-hmm. things you wouldn't expect to be moving are can become very emotional when you see God's intentionality in everything. Mm-hmm. So, so that is how I spend my days. Among and, other things. Among other things. Like? Um, well, we have twin girls. Eight-year-old eight eight twin girls? Nine? Did they just They're nine. Them? Nine and a half. Listen, when I found out they were identical, so it was going to be two of one or the other, and I thought, this could go. This could go. <laughs> <laughs> was could girls the positive well. or boys for the me. positive? Girls were the positive. Girls were the positive for me. For Steven, he was hoping for boys just because that's what he knew. Right. You know, that's what he knew. And, I'm, on, uh, I'm on Steven's position on that one. The relief. You just don't know. <laughs> the relief. But it's going to be great. You have a boy, and he's delightful and wonderful. Earlier, you mentioned Moses being your favorite character. What about Moses? Do you well, just... I love Moses. I love his relationship with God, the friendship, um, I think is really, really honest. And I admire that. It it's brought me comfort to know that I can be really honest before God yeah. and I can be emotional and he's okay with that. I can bring myself fully as he created me to be, though, you know, imperfect, but I can bring my full self to him and because he wants me to. Mm. And so that's part of the reason why I love Moses' story. I also very much relate to his inner conflict with calling Hmm. and running away from calling. And I see that in my own life, and I think it's very relatable. Yeah. He's always been my homeboy. (laughs) (laughs) So you and I took a trip to Ethiopia last fall, Mm -hmm. and we just stuck you on a plane. You did. We did. Why say yes? Why go halfway around the world um, to a place that you'd never been before? Well, I do have this husband, the only husband I have, (laughs) but I do have a husband who spent time as a missionary kid in Zambia and had been back to Africa since with work and, like you said, is now on the board with African leadership. I had heard stories of him growing up in Africa, and and it really shaped him, um, really, really shaped him. Uh, the adventure he is in spirit, his love for that continent. So I think, if I'm very, very honest, there was a, a good, healthy fear, mm-hmm. or unhealthy, about mm-hmm. going and being like the one person who goes to Africa and is not affected at all. Mm-hmm. Like that my heart would just somehow be closed off. I don't know why mm-hmm. I, I thought that, but it was a fear. Everybody says, I'm going to come back changed by mm-hmm. it. 
So I was fearful that my heart would be closed off in some way. Yep. Yeah. Hmm. Did that fear become a reality? No, it did not become a reality. And I'm so thankful. I think what it did for me was it showed me that God and I are where we and we are in relationship and partnership. And so no matter where I go, I am Kara, and he is with me. And so it felt like an extension of the things that I'm passionate about. Mm-hmm. And I just got to be me mm-hmm. in a different place, a beautiful one. But I mm-hmm. think it was a comfort to know I am me. We are in this together. Nothing changes. This is who I am, and here we are in Africa. Let's do this. Hmm. Right. And you all got to use story and scripture while you're over there, right? Yeah, that was kind of why I really wanted Kara on this specific trip. It was um, an opportunity for us as an organization. We were using piloting a new material. You know, the quest is always how do you give more and more depth and understanding and maturity of scripture and all of the other pieces that scripture speaks to, whether that's your physical well-being, your emotional well-being, kind of your care of the community at large. So our quest is always aimed at that as far as an education perspective. How do we, not only for ourselves in our lives here in the States, but across the continent of Africa, find more and more ways to help men and women who are leading these communities connect a, a deep understanding and passion and love of Scripture with where God's calling them to live that out, mm-hmm. however the Lord's calling them to live that out, or whatever needs are being pressed in on them mm-hmm. by the community. And to that end, we were piloting this new course on storying in Scripture. It was an interesting way of teaching people, whether they're in an oral culture or they, they cannot read Scripture, to kind of be able to in- ingest all of the truths and the stories of Scripture into their own heart language without maybe reading it. And so teaching a group of women what it looks like to take any passage of Scripture and turn it into narrative story form, Mm -hmm. but keep its biblical soundness Mm -hmm. uh, in the midst of that. So something like paraphrasing, but really making sure that however you retell the story is 100% accurate. Mm -hmm. Um, And then that being a place for them not only to connect on a heart level with the scripture that they're reading or the story that they're kind of learning for themselves, but then also to use that as a tool when they're working in these communities where people may not have access to Bibles or may not know how to read. And so what it meant was the way you story scripture is you narrate it out, regardless of whether you're telling the the story of Moses or you're reading through a psalm or you're talking about the New Testament church, even Leviticus and all the law. I mean, all of these places in scripture where it may not be as easy to just say, well, then Joseph did this, and then this happened, and then that happened. Mm-hmm. How do you still create a narrative around this portion of Scripture um, in such a way that it retains some of its meaning, its purpose in your life without muddying it or making it inaccurate? Mm-hmm. With Kara's background, I thought this is a perfect place to take Kara. First of all, it's Ethiopia. It's fun. It's vibrant. It is so drastically different than the U.S., than Mm -hmm. Nashville. It'll be a fun place to 
like dip your toe in the water of Africa, but also specifically thinking about what we were going to learn, her perspective of the intersection between story and scripture was a unique perspective to take to the table and to say, what do you think of this? Mm -hmm. Um, If we're examining this as a tool to roll out across the continent, somebody with a unique background to scripture and acting and story and literature, that seemed like the perfect combo. So we jumped on a plane and went to Ethiopia. We did, and it was awesome. And Mm -hmm. we spent time with women for a week, and the entire Bible was storied. Wow. And it was incredible. So we saw the entire arc of Scripture, and no matter how familiar you think you are with it, Mm -hmm. you will learn a lot. And it was really fun to do that with a friend, but huge impact on us, and we have the luxury of being able to read Scripture whenever we want to. Mm One moment, can I talk about the the, uh, the Genesis story, the fall? Yeah, you can talk about any of it. Well, um, like Emily said, um, many of these women can't read. So hearing these stories orally, that is how they're going to encounter Scripture. And there was a point where the woman he was teaching, Trisha, who she truly is a rock star, mm-hmm. She was going through the story of the fall with them, and she was talking about how Eve was there and Adam was with her, and the women stopped her and said, no, Adam was not there. She said, no, no, I can assure you Adam was there. The text, the the scripture says that Adam, you know, it indicates that Adam was there with her. No, she took the apple and she deceived him. She went to him and deceived him. He wasn't actually there. And culturally, um, within their churches, they had been taught that Eve was solely sort of Mm -hmm. the reason for the fall and Mm -hmm. that Adam, you know, was manipulated and deceived by her rather than Satan deceiving both of them. Mm -hmm. And so what transpired then were, you know, tears it's just just one glimpse of how knowing the truth can, it might not change your circumstances, but it changes your understanding of who you are and how God feels about you and thinks of you. And it was a really emotional thing for those women. And I venture to say kind of a life-changing, like a, a shift for them. Oh, um, yeah, I can imagine. Yeah, yeah. Which I think is the beauty of, of why we love Scripture so much anyway, is that at the end of the day, what we believe and what we're fighting for in Africa is really the reality that Scripture and the, um, the place where your head and your heart can both engage with Scripture is altering of who you are, of your identity. It makes you into your truest self. Mm-hmm. And it fights against all the cultural lies that you hear and all the, the family story lies that you hear and all the personal attacks that you, you can run into. And so I think, I mean, even for us, we were treated as, as students. So in this room full of women, there's a very specific process that we would all be taken through for every story um, in Scripture and they would read it a couple of times. They would require us to retell it to them. They would then require us to act it out. 
So every group had to act out, I mean, the fall or Rahab mm-hmm. kind of working with um, Joshua and, and Jericho and Jesus' death and his resurrection, all these places in Scripture. And then we had to draw it, mm-hmm. which is probably not something I was anticipating, but for me, probably the greatest, most eye-opening part of the process for me. Mm. But what we got to walk away with is, um, as Kara said, we went through, the, they decided to take the entire narrative of Scripture from Genesis through Revelation and break it into 60 stories. So over the course of five days, all we did was repeat this little process of mm. hearing the story, retelling the story, acting it out, drawing it out for 60 stories. And when we were done with one, we just moved on to the next all day long. Mm. And we pushed our way through 60 stories. But at the end, you have this beautiful string. Every little group had a string hung up. And you Mm. you hung up your stories that you drew. And so Mm. you could begin to see this arc of um, here's how this group decided to depict God. And here's where God was throughout all of Scripture. Or Mm. here's this image of water that just kept reappearing or the red scarlet Mm. um, rope hanging from Rahab's window or all these different pieces begin to take on a new life and what it does is it's that intersection it's that place where just like for those women it brings about freedom it brings about the place of going oh yes this feels truer to who I really am and this gives language to and story and context to why I made this way and who I'm created to be and who I've been created by it was a really beautiful process of knowing yourself and knowing the Lord better Hmm. it was really fun you know you mentioning Rahab and uh, the fact that it was a red cord and you think, why, why red? Why even uh-huh. mention that? And just to see that there are these through lines, there are these things that when you break apart scripture, you might think they're random or just a random tidbit thrown in there, but there's purpose. Um, it's mm-hmm. such an intricately woven book. And yes. the idea that it would be anything other than God-inspired, mm-hmm. when you look at it that way, you're like, wow, this is definitely inspired by God. Um, No one could have constructed this. And so it's a life-changing experience. It was for me to get Mm -hmm. to see it like that. Mm -hmm. I mean, I don't know if I'll ever again have the luxury of time to sit for a week (laughs) and be able to story scripture from Genesis to Revelation. It's a gift. Yeah, that's cool. It was amazing. Um, with Easter coming up just around the corner, mm-hmm. um, I would be curious to hear what part of storing the resurrection story was impactful for y'all. Was it the performance? Was it the drawing? Was it just the simple narrative? Does anything kind of jump out to you? The I'm thing that stands, I mean, instantly the image <laughs> of the crucifixion comes to mind. Mm-hmm. Um, the one that we drew, not the one that you see in your heart. <laughs> Yours is far better than what we drew, trust me. Um, Yeah, that one and just, you know, nothing we could ever draw, especially you and me. Nothing that we could ever draw um, would be sufficient. But, you know, those those are to help us to remember certain significant parts of the story. Mm. And so it was for us um, more than it was for anybody else. Right. So. Right. Probably just the context we were sitting in was the most valuable to me at that point. I mean, we're four days in, and 
It was cold. Rainy. It was rainy. Cold in Ethiopia? Um, cold and rainy in Ethiopia <gasps> wow. in the fall. <laughs> Therefore, it's muddy. It, there's no heat. There's no electricity. In, in some weird way, it felt a little bit more like what it could have felt like or mm-hmm. looked like. Just depressing, yeah. cold. It is a different experience to sit with your Bible that you know, and a cup of coffee, but not be in your comfy chair with your blanket or sitting on your back porch smelling flowers. You put yourself in an environment that it's just uncomfortable. We're sitting Mm -hmm. in really uncomfortable chairs in this cemented floor. It's raining outside. What stood out was just thinking about, man, three days, like Mm -hmm. the three days or the from Friday when he's crucified to Sunday, like I think by Thursday, I was reaching a point of like, I'm ready to go home. (laughs) I'm getting tired. Um, I'm getting uncomfortable. I've been cold for a week. Mm -hmm. I'm really tired of being cold and that like ache that you get in your neck and your back. And Mm -hmm. so to just sit with the heaviness of, man, these these women or um, even the disciples, the men, like their hearts broke a few days ago and nothing about life feels any better. Right. It maybe gave me pause to consider how long it took their hearts to get back to a place of hope. Mm-hmm. You know, we always talk about doubting Thomas and all these places where they say it's not true. He couldn't have risen. In in that environment, I kind of go, yeah, I could probably buy it too. Like, forget it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Just, I'm raw. I'm beat. I'm tired. Mm-hmm. I've had this, what feels like, very epic journey with this man for three years. I just... Hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it was just a really, like to sit in kind of the sadness, the depression of death um, was probably for me pretty powerful. Yeah. I will say though, they gave us this really beautiful picture of Sunday and Mm. the resurrection toward the end of our time there. (laughs) There was rain and then there was more rain and then the power went out in the building and so there was no light. And we'd been there all day, and then, you know, the electricity would come back on, and then it would go back out. And then um, the rain became so loud on the tin roof of the building that we couldn't hear each other. Wow. So no one could talk. So we couldn't necessarily move forward with what we were doing. I felt this frustration Mm -hmm. of, oh, and we have to wait and uh mm-hmm. and um these women some of them in their 70s mm-hmm. broke out into song and mm-hmm. dance and i don't know what they were singing i think we got a rough translation a loose translation i guess from the translator but um it was sort of a few childhood songs that they would have known their whole lives mm-hmm. kind of like jesus loves me but it was more of like a a victory chant kind of thing and it was singing and worshiping and praising God with abandon and there was joy. I joked with my husband later, but this is true. I mean, I wish I was that joyful about anything at any time, anywhere, because I think here, at least for me, I manage my emotion. Sure. So I don't want to feel desperate lows, and I, but I can't if I'm not willing to open up my heart to that, I'm not opening up my heart to anything joyful either. Mm-hmm. I can't have it one way and not the other as well. So here are these women who were letting all of Scripture break their hearts wide open, mm-hmm. and they were truly present in a way that 
-hmm. I don't think I was. And so Mm -hmm. I got a glimpse of what resurrection morning should, not that it looks the same on all of us, but, you know, the heart posture Mm -hmm. of maybe what it would look like. And we do have video recording of it. And it's, yeah, it was awesome. It's incredible. Yeah. Yeah. It was really fun. Mm-hmm. Uh, speaking of joy, what are some of your Easter traditions? Do you have any each year of how you celebrate? We as a family, I grew up in a loving family, but we weren't necessarily big on traditions. So in having my own family, I've taken a, a closer look at that. I would say for us, we, we try to stay in town here in Nashville to yeah. go to our church mm-hmm. And the Good Friday service is really something mm-hmm. good. spectacular That's at our church. Mm-hmm. Do you remember the year the power went out? Yes. Yes. Like right at the very end, all uh-huh. the lights went out. The yes. huge thunder crack. Oh, yeah. that thunder crack. It was so perfect. Incredible. Perfectly yeah. timed. Mm-hmm. 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 Yes. As God ordained. <laughs> that Good Friday service mm. sort of anchors us yes. for the rest of the weekend. Mm. Yeah, I did all that. That's been my, since moving to Nashville and going to Midtown, that's been my favorite part of Easter's, just being in that small, cozy mm. church where people are literally shoulder to shoulder and you can't see anything because mm. the lights are off. And mm. yeah, that Friday for me makes Sunday all that more spectacular. Yeah. yeah. Like you were saying, Kara, every time you engage on a heart level with the word of the Lord, that is living and is active because He is living and active. Yeah, it just changes you. It is an invitation to repeatedly return to that, to this, to the text, to Scripture, to find more of your Jesus and more of yourself. Yes. If we know God, if we invest in God, we inevitably learn more about ourselves. Mm-hmm. And it's cyclical. Uh, we cannot deny our hearts. We shut our hearts out, shut them down from emotion. I believe we shut down this opportunity to really know our God intimately. Mm-hmm. So we can't self-protect from the world and expect to still engage with right. our Creator. And Scripture, we're called to worship Him in spirit and truth, our whole heart, our whole mind. And so with Scripture, we engage, you know, in this really logical way, and then the Spirit illuminates it for us in this way where I'd call it magic, but it's not magic. (laughs) It's incredible that we can open a book and know a person. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. It's a good word. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for your story and your time. Thanks for letting me go to Africa. Girl, you can go anytime. Anytime. I'm not going this year, but I'll go back with you soon. <laughs> Thank you so much for um, coming and being a part, Kara. It was lovely to have you here. It was a delight to be here. Thank yeah. you. Yeah. Thanks, Fallon. For those of you joining us, I hope you enjoyed today's podcast. I hope you learned something or were challenged by something. Uh, we would love to hear from you. So hop over to iTunes, leave us a review, let us know what you think of today's podcast. And if you'd like to know more about storying in this process or even consider what it might look like for you to practice it in your own life, you can email us at info at org, And we would love to talk with you a little bit more about that. Hope you enjoyed today's podcast. Have a good day.